This is a special podcast of 3RRRFM's Uncommon Sense with Amy Mullins. On today's show, Karis Thompson joined us live in the studio to discuss his latest album, Island, and to play a few tracks from it. His songs have social and political themes and tell a real human story about Australian society today. I'm Amy Mullins and the show is Uncommon Sense. You just heard a song there from Karis Thompson's latest album. Uh, It's called Razor Barati and uh, the album is Island. And um, uh, as I said, I I saw Karis on Saturday at the Piping Hot Chicken Shop in Ocean Grove, which is, despite the, the name that it sounds a bit random, it's actually an excellent venue for live music uh, and uh, certainly what a great crowd as well. And I'm very uh, fortunate to have Karis Thompson in with us in Melbourne at the moment and he joins me right now actually. So uh, I'm just going to figure out exactly which mics we've got and yeah. Great. Hello. Hey, Karis. Hey, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, so, first of all, uh, you're you're in Melbourne, which um, you know it's somewhat of a hometown. I know it's not where you were from, but you you lived in Melbourne for quite a while. Yeah, we're here for fourteen years, and um, I just uh, when my second child came along, we just went back to uh, WA for a year. We've been there probably almost two years now. But you know, as soon as I land in Melbourne, I just go ah. Culture, yeah. humans, people <laughs> that get it, you know. It's, totally. It's like, oh, this is a, you know, so this really feels like home. In it. It's a strange, strange way this actually feels more like home than um, Frio does. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. Because you grew, well, you were born in Fremantle. Yeah, yep. Um, and you also had at some time that you lived in Peppermanati uh, yeah. in the Northern Territory, which is sounds really fascinating. It's such a small um, town, I guess you could call it. Uh, what... Did that influence? What kind of influence did that have on your um, your personal development, but also then your your musical um, development? Growing up in a, a rural area and being exposed to so many different aspects of Australia. Yeah, well, I mean, Pepinati, it's um, it's a really sp- small Aboriginal community, and it's um, I guess the big thing about it is it's on Aboriginal land. So um, if you've ever been the Northern Territory. You know, the Stuart Highway goes straight up the guts of it and you go sort of east and you get to Arnhem Land. And if you go west, once you cross the Daly River, you're in another part of Aboriginal country. And to, to go there, you actually need to have a permit. So you just can't drive in there. So it's, I mean, there's all these things about it that are just really, really cool. And in a lot of ways, the territory was way ahead of its time with all this kind of stuff, land rights. And uh, so it was beautiful to, whilst in Australia, basically growing up, you know, in a, in a different land in a way and um, so I was the only white kid growing up for sort of four years there and I think that that's good for any child I think it's good for any human being to have a different experience um, where they see other cultures and to also be you know it's that thing when you're white middle class you're you're so you're everywhere you know like and it's it's good to be on the minority for, yeah. for a change and and maybe I would like to think it's maybe had some sort of effect on the way I view the world. It certainly had a big effect on the way I view Aboriginal culture and um, our relationship with it in Australia. Mm, and you have a great song that mentions it, uh, Yangi, which is uh, certainly one you can rock out to. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the sort of musical thing. I mean, it, it was funny because that was such a big part of my childhood, if, if, if you like, and then, um, and then I grew up in the city and moved back to Frio. And um, so there was always sort of a bit of a disconnect in a way and... Um, I went back when I was about 20. I went up to Darwin and 
it's like uh, I did. That's where I did lots and lots and lots of gigs. Like you know, the Beatles went to Hamburg. <laughs> I went to I went to Darwin. <laughs> I wish I'd got as good as the Beatles, but uh, and yeah, you do these four-hour, just horrendous cover gigs kind of things. Yeah. And um, but anyway, when I was up there, I went back out to Pep Minardi, and I sort of re got in touch with you know, it was like re got in touch with my childhood, I guess, and um, and that's when uh, I got I sort of really got into the music, and I love that um, top end country, top end reggae. It's a very peculiar. Mm-hmm. Aboriginal style of music that we have in Australia. It's, it's just really cool, you know, and um, and that's when I learnt that song, Yengi, um, which is taught to me by a guy called Johnny Wilson. Right, because yeah. your your music really defies categorisation. Um, yeah, it's been a problem. <laughs> it, yeah, it is a little bit to, to you know, because everyone wants to simplify or, yeah. you know, put you yeah. into a box. Well, that's mm. what Karis is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I know that you've described your music as folk rock and yeah. um, reggae and some funk in there and there's just so much happening and yeah. alternative indie. Yeah. But, yep. you know, it, and it really depends on the song and the album um, and the different musical instruments you you employ and, yep. um, you know, how have you seen your development as a musician based on the, like, the kind of um, influences that you've had? So, you know, your first EP... Um, it's fantastic. Uh, oh. My sister and I still play it in the car. You're the one that bought it. Yeah, also. totally. Yeah, we've still got it. Um, and and Darwin Jam. Gosh, I love that song. Um, but yeah, that was you know such a, a, a really interesting EP because um, you know it started out your I guess um, you know journey and then you're moving yeah. on to acoustic at the Norfolk in 2003, which um, really was a huge deal. But it, it brought out mandolin, the fiddle, harmonica, uh, acoustic guitar. You know, there's just so much, um, and, and keys, obviously the piano. Um, you've had a band for some portion of your career early on. Um, so, you know, when we talk about categories and mu- music styles and influences, um, how would you perceive yourself? In, and I don't want you to have to self-select into a category. So feel free to be broad <laughs> and open. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting one. I mean, when I started, you know, I started playing music when I was 12 and as soon as I finished school, I was playing in bands in um, in pubs and, you know, 18, 19. And that was like the era of the band, you know, like so as everyone had bands, it was like the 90s, you know. And um, I never really had this idea that you could be like a singer-songwriter with a band. It was like, you've got to have a band, you know, it's a band together. And, mm. and you know, it's, all that stuff was no, you know, there was internet, but it, didn't really work. I didn't know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, there was mobile phones, but they were like huge bricks, and uh, mm. so it was a different. It was a different time. You didn't, you know. Now it's it's so. If someone starts playing music, it's all out there. They get on the internet. This is how you get famous. This is how you tour. This is how you do this and that. Whereas, for me, for most of my career, and especially in those early days, it was like you just work it out as you go along. You know, you you hear a cool band, you got to go to the pub to see it. You can't. There's no MySpace or whatever. So it was sort of like that with my music. Um, I'd always written songs on acoustic guitars and I'd take it to whichever band I was in. And as I got older, I guess I got more confident and just like, oh, hang on, I'm a singer-songwriter. That's what I do. And I always try to find, I guess, the form or the genre that best suits suits the song. Um, and I guess I've managed to get it more, you know, the more albums you get together, it just becomes, well, that's my music. It's a ma- mash of a few things. But essentially, I, I describe myself as an Australian songwriter, not because I'm like a um, Aussie, Aussie, oi, 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 nationalistic fool, but um, just because I think there's something very particular that Australians do with our songwriting. I'm a huge 
you know, Tim Rogers fan, Paul Kelly, Mick Thomas, my mate Nick Barker. And there's something Australians do when we write songs. I think it's very direct and it's very empathetic and it's also very humble. And um, we've, we use, you know, the way we use words, we really just strip it down to the, the less words, as he says, dribbling on. Um, no. So <laughs> I, that's, you know, so I, I really approach it from the song now and, um, and I, then I use whatever I need. Uh, around it to make the song work and with this new new record Ireland I think it's probably the most cohesive one I've ever done you know um, yeah yeah this as in that the sound um, the, the sound yeah. runs through the whole thing and you know people do they do need to identify what what something is I mean a fan doesn't care like you know that you can just do whatever an album can go on and some of my favorite albums are like that I've got a few Steve Earle records that go like that but mm. I think when you're trying to present this sort of cohesive presence or um, piece of art it, it, it is good to have a bit of a flow and I think I finally got that with this one yeah well I mean that you certainly have with this album um, but but also not to dis- discount your earlier work I think it's great that it has that diversity too yeah which yep. you see in your live performances um, because you know there's a great mix out there and also we're very privileged um, with you here now to have um, the band to you know bring to life some of these um, tracks on, from your new album yeah yeah um, and one of one of those people uh we saw nathan gaunt who's um yeah. opening for you what a character he's so fantastic yeah really talented yeah i mean he that's i just directly quoted nathan i mean i've known nathan since i was 18 years old and um you know um that's what he said that to me you know back when we started you heard about a cool band you had to go and see it and yeah. that's why gigs were always half filled with other musicians because that was the only way you could hear other music you know like the idea of doing a record when we were like 20 years old it was like you just had to be signed you know yeah so i've known nathan since then he's just one of the most talented musicians i know one of the most talented guys i know really i mean and um yeah if anyone wants to check him out just just google him um yeah just this incredible sort of jeff buckley kind of voice Mm. but you know that sort of you know, but he's got he's got this sort of um, bit of a more of a Zeppelin approach to his singing and this incredible guitar playing. So I've been trying to get in my band for like <laughs> for years, and then yeah. just to I was like, "You do the support, come and play in the band." And just when he heard the record, actually, he's been one of the biggest supporters of this album. He's just like, "I just want to help you get this album out there." Mm. So you know. Oh, I'm the beginner. You need a good guitar player. I can play guitar. I'll come and do it. Yeah, well, elect- the electric guitar is pretty special. Yeah. Um, and we heard Crashland a bit earlier and there's some great guitar work there. Um, but in terms of your, um, I guess, the way that you approach songwriting, um, I did read in one of your interviews that you said that you start from a really good guitar part or you find something, you know, musical that really feels right um, and has a, an emotion to it yeah. and then you work and build it out from there. Is that still how you approach songwriting? Yeah, I think as I've gotten better at the narrative style of songwriting, um, you know, there's always that thing you read John Lennon that imagine he wrote it on like a, a napkin, you know, on a plane. He just came up with those words and, he, and you're like, wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> but that's John Lennon. Yeah. Um, but as I think I've got better at songwriting, I have started to have lyrical ideas in my head and then uh, but I will you know so I will go both ways but try and start with a vibe Mm. Um, especially on this new album I just really wanted to start with like stories you know good stories and um, and an emotion and something that makes you feel something so that's why a lot of the songs on this record are about things I've seen around me you know there's a song about mouse 
um, the rough sleeper who was um, murdered down near Flinders Street. There's that song Reza Barati. Yeah. And, you know, that Reza Barati started, I wrote that song after I saw a Four Corners documentary with the um, the first, the whistleblower, you know, the first mm-hmm. guard that came out and, and he was just saying, he was talking about um, the ride in Manus Island. He was saying, I just, I just thought these people, you know, they're supposed to be in our care, in our care. And I started with that. And um, so I just, I want, I want to tell human stories. I want to, I want to, pull people in and I want it I want there to be empathy I want people to feel something in the songs and if I don't feel it I can't expect them to feel it yeah well you've, it's certainly you've accomplished that oh, thank because you. this album is a storytelling album um, and it is very empathetic um, and certainly also then reflected through into your live performances which I just bring it to a whole another level when you experience it yeah yourself it, it's you know as you're you know, there was a time when, you know, I loved Tim Rogers and there was a time I used to try to, like, be more rock and roll like Tim or, or you know, I love Paul Kelly and I used to, you know, there's all those things. And then as I've gotten better at it, I, I feel like now when I'm on stage, I am just myself. I am mm. who I am. And um, and I think with this album, this is the first time that the record and who I am, the whole thing is sort of really coming together. You know, I really want to be unpretentious on stage, yeah. but I want it to be a show. Yeah. And... Um, and, you know, I'm a big Springsteen, Mellencamp fan and I just love the way they find those little stories, those little small human stories, but they make them epic mm. because, you know, it's a big thing being a human being. <laughs> like there's, there's a lot going on in our minds and our hearts and, yeah. um, and music is, is a big part and songs are a big tra- part of trying to make sense of that. Yeah. Well, let's go into one of them. Um, your first single from this album uh, is called Beach Fires. Yep. And uh, it's about, well, I'll let you you introduce it because uh, you'll do it far better than I. Um, but uh, I'm talking to Karis Thompson. He's in Melbourne at the moment. He's in our studios about to play Beach Fires. So, Karis, I'll throw it to you. No worries. Um, well, this is a song called Beach Fires. I... Um I wrote it after I did a gig down in San Remo and I, uh, I was having a beer with a guy after the gig and I said, oh, how are things different since the, um, since the desalination plant came to town? He said, well, let's just say I, uh, I used to leave my car door open when I went surfing and you can't do that now. <laughs> and uh, just this song guesses about something that's happened all around Australia at the moment, the, the old crystal methamphetamine. Hope you like it. Taught me to chase a dragon while my sister was downstairs Threw your drugs and money around like you didn't care Came down from Melbourne, you were working on the plant Sometimes I think the devil sent you, sink me in this island I used to watch friends' faces in the flicking of beach fires All I see is strangers and dead eyes Steve round the corner, sewing the pins onto the dark Got us hangers on lined up every Friday in a row Remember the day you first showed him how to cut up a full ounce Gave him a name and a number, keys to every house around I used to watch friends' faces in the flicking of beach fires All I see is strangers and dead eyes Take the ball, 
light the flame The first time won't come again No stop to no residue remains And this town I was born in Is never gonna be the same White smoke's all around Can you feel it hit you now? Everyone's a stranger With dead eyes I've had mates I've known since school Kicking in my door Chasing me for what I owe Hoping they can steal a score Every street's lined Families and lovers torn Took everything we had Left us always wanted more Used to watch friends' faces in the flicking of beach fires. All I see is strangers and dead eyes. Take the bowl, light the flame. The first time won't come again. The stop to no residue remains. And this town I was born in is never gone. Smokes all around. Can you feel it hit you now? Everyone's a stranger with dead eyes. I used to think I'd never want to move away. I hope he skips land as far enough. Hope I never see you again. Jobs long since finished. You decided to stay. You and Steve King's every little world selling crystal like the play. And this town I Fires have long gone out All I see is strangers Dead eyes Dead eyes Dead eyes Beautiful there <laughs> Thank you, Karis Thanks so much um, that, that last line there, dead eyes I think really is very poignant Um and I'm really interested in how you came to that song um, and and the kinds of things that you observed, which it's reflected in those lyrics, but what really um, set you off on, on that particular song to start, you know, reflecting what you were seeing and to talk about this issue of, of the ice epidemic? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's always a thing about songs. I think it's really difficult to write about stuff if you haven't experienced it a little bit. So it's very hard to talk about drugs if you haven't had some experience with drugs and... Um, you know, in my 20s, you know, Frio, I mean, look at WA, people always go, Ben Cousins, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's like, that's like everyone I knew growing yeah. up in WA in their 20s. It was just like, it's just something about Perth and Fremantle. I don't know, don't know what, <laughs> what's going on there. But And your song, uh, Grow to yeah. Overthrow, talks yeah. about that quite okay, so, in detail. <laughs> so, you know, the Ben Cousins story, that's pretty Western Australian, you know, it's, mm. um, it's, uh, it's funny. So, when I wanted to write that song, you know, I, I thought about my own, yeah, my own 20s. And the first line is, 
is about the first time, yeah, someone showed me how to smoke uh, meth and, you know, I really didn't see the point of it myself. But, um, you know, um, it certainly has caught on. It's been pretty popular. But um, so I, I guess I put a bit of that in and um, a bit of people that I know and um, the Dead Eyes line. With, with this album, you know, what I have got better and I think a lot of songwriters would say this is the longer you write songs more for the better you get at rewriting. You know, when you start writing a song, the first time your song writes like this precious thing and you just, you can't touch it. It's like, it's my amazing thing. Don't, don't dare suggest <laughs> I change anything. It's my art, man. Yeah. And then, you know, as you get better and better, with all writing, I think you become more attached but less willing, you're more willing to play with it and take on other people's opinions. And that's why you employ producers and stuff like mm. that. And so, especially with this song, Beach Fires, it was, I wrote it, then I took it to my good friend, Greg Arnold from Things of Stone Wood, who's been like a writing partner he produced three albums for me and he's also been a great partner to bounce things off and he's been in switzerland for the last five years so i sort of sent it to him and first time he heard it he was like wow this is just this is what you're trying to do you know and um he loved it so i sort of wrote the song worked on it with him and then i took it to joel joel quartermain who produced this record who um people know him from eskimo joe and he did all the meg mac stuff and then you know, the process started again, you know, and so we rewrote that chorus. And um, But the Dead Eyes line, that just came about from really trying to rewrite, you know, that thing I'm talking about of trying to make your words just count, you know, so you've got three words, you just got to make it work. And I just threw a bunch out there and then this thing, Dead Eyes, came and I thought, that's, is that too intense? And, you know, you, you sing it a bit. And um, my good friend Neil Murray, he's a great songwriter, huge influence on me. He always said this thing about songs, you've got to sing them. You know, don't don't look at the words too much. You got to pick it up, sing it, see how it sings. And I sang that, and I just felt felt this sort of um, this hits it, and I think it's telling a story that's happening a lot, and um, and it's a story. You know, a lot of my friends have been through. I'm sure everyone's friends have been through. I'm sure some people are going through that story themselves, and hopefully we work out something to do with it. But um, in terms of politics, I think prohibition's not the uh, answer for crystal methamphetamine. No. That's for sure. Yeah, and it, it's a huge issue, um, but but you don't you, in your songs you're not judging anyone, and that's the beautiful thing about it is that you're talking about the complexity of human life. Yeah, yeah. and um, and that we're all very deeply um, emotive and feel a lot um, and have many different experiences. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and you mentioned Greg Arnold there. I know that uh, he performed with you at the Corner Hotel because I was at that gig and it was a really great one because um, your your musical styles really work together so yeah, well. Yeah. Um, but when you 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 worked with Greg Arnold on another song, um, Lies, which uh, is yeah. the second single, and I believe he uh, he also co-wrote that with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the same sort of thing. I had the um, had the verses, and he came up. I had the chorus. I know he had the verse actually yeah but just that thing of um, you know it's a scary thing when you're a young songwriter co-writing but then once you get into it you know it's like two heads are better than one kind of thing and um, yeah and I'm really proud of this song and it's it's the one that's had sort of the big win you know Double J are playing it and um, it's going on to ABC local radio nationwide so it's it's funny in my career, it's like I've been doing this for like 20 years and it's like finally I'm getting radio players. It's, like, <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a, the, th- the thing with with songs I think is, um, yeah, the, the empathy and the, the storytelling I've never really loved, especially when you're trying to write 
you know, with Ireland, I really wanted to write a record. That's why I'm so pleased that I'm on, on this show because it's, you know, about Australia and politics and I wanted to make an album that said something and I wanted to say something about Australia. Mm. But, you know, r- songs that yell at you and tell you, you're wrong, this is the right way, no one listens to those. People listen to stories. And, you know, all I want to do with this record is present these different, you know, situations and try and create the get people in touch with the human aspect of it and they might think about things slightly differently and I think as an artist that's all you can do is document and try and get discussion. Um, I don't think you can tell people the right or the wrong way and um, if, if you make the story good enough, you know, it gets past... With all these things, politics, ideology, people put up walls, you know, they put up uh, walls about what they believe and what they don't believe and a song is a human story and human stories get past these walls. And so in that way, I think songs can be really useful in promoting discussion that might be harder to have otherwise. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and um, and that's why uh, I, we wanted to have you on the show, apart from you being a fantastic uh, musician. We, well, songwriting is part of that. It's absolutely equally important to be a great performer, a great musician and a great songwriter. And I think you've got all of those things going on. So we're going to hear um, this song, Lies, which yeah. uh, um, for everyone, uh, hopefully this this two great versions obviously this acoustic one we're going to hear and then uh, the full one that you'll hear on the album which has a whole range of other uh, instruments involved and you can hear that um, at the live performance on this Saturday which I'll give you the details of but uh, we'll, we'll head into that and I'll, I'll let you take this away Karis. No worries. Pay the cost, get what you want, who cares what's lost? You never had your back against the wall, an entire world. So sure now I see my whole life. I built you up, you tore me down. Love runs on time You never had your back against the wall An entire world So short now I see My whole life I built you up You tore me down People Lies, lies 
<laughs> so hard not to tap your feet and get really into that one, Karis. I think I was tapping my foot there too. <laughs> yeah, I felt it. <laughs> uh, that's Karis Thompson there with Lies. Um, that's a, his second single off his album, his new album, Island. Um, Karis, what, uh, just briefly, what inspired you to to put that song together because um, I know some people have said it's a really boppy song for something about (laughs) something so biting and (laughs) yeah uh, I started writing that song of course um, when uh, you know Tony Abbott was in and um, that was the line about the uh, burnt hands you know burn my hands and um, but I was talking with my wife about it and and she was saying oh this would be you know I think this song would be really powerful if you could try and make it be about either relationship or um, politics and um, so I started writing it like that and and it's a really funny one because I thought I'll I'll make sure it's open enough because you know I mean obviously I hate Abbott and um, I really don't dig Turnbull on the whole lib thing but you know I still I don't forget that um, you know the uh, Labor have done some really terrible things you know and their, their position on refugees is just it's disgusting and shocking you know um, so I really want it to be open enough just to be about all the leaders who are sort of letting us down with these things at the moment. Um, you know, there's just not much compassion out there. And then, you know, Trump won, won in America. <laughs> Very and, timely. And I was just playing the song. Actually, that could be about him. So it's um, – and I think that partly might be why it's really getting the radio players. It's sort of open enough that people can read whatever they want in it, you know. And, um, and I think – you know, when you're talking about songwriting, you do need to be... There are things you need to be a little bit careful of and sometimes a really heavy song, if it's with a really slow tempo, it can just be too, like, laconic and so sometimes you need to sort of mix it up and, I mean, you know, that classic song, um, Suzanne Vega, you know, My Name Is Luca, like, I mean, you know, you listen to that, yeah, it's a beautiful song, you listen to the words, you're like, oh, my God, that is <laughs> savage, you know. So yeah. sometimes if you want to draw the listener in, you need to um, not use what they're going to expect. Yeah, and you know this ability to for people to relate to your music, your lyrics in particular, but just in general, like uh, you you reflect back some of the things that have happened to you across your whole career in all of your songs. So, you know, some of them are, are love songs and broken heart, broken hearted, you know, yep. scenarios, mm. um, and uh, and then you know some are political, some cover social issues. There's so much um, within your repertoire. Um, but I think that pretty much all of them resonate with people at different points in their life, which is something which I find is so unique in your particular, um, you know, I guess, list of songs is that, yeah, there's just, you can always find a Karis song for the yeah. right moment is what I'm trying to say, um, which is, you know, it's pretty good to, to have that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a thing, um, you know, I've been writing songs since I was 12 and um, soon as I lived, finished school I, I mucked around at uni for an hour and a half I mean an hour and a half, about an hour and a half <laughs> for a year and a half yeah. but um, I sort of I didn't make it through there and this is what I've done so this is you know my degree is in songwriting really and, and performing and um, and I guess you know there's lots of young bands that, that they're, they're hip and they're cool and they're big and it's all great and then you know it gets hard and they go oh actually this is pretty shit <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> there's no money and um, but you know I remember I had this Conversation with um, killing uh, the Ella Hooper from Killing Heidi once, and she used this term, lifer. <laughs> you know, we're <laughs> lifers, yeah. And it's like this is who I am. This is I write songs and I perform, and um, and I think people can see that in in the songs. Like I'm not that kind of 
artist that writes this sort of twisted, you know, and I love that kind of writing, you know, I wish I could write like that, but I'm not that, I'm, I'm really, what you see is what you get. And part of what I'm living is, is what I'm writing about. And that, that's who I am, you know, I, I care about, care about the world. And, um, you know, I think Australia is a great country, but I, I think it's got some massive, massive problems at the moment. And so I'm, I'm writing about those. Yeah. And just um, quickly on your performances, because, you know, part of it is, um, you know, some people might have a greater strength, <laughs> you know, and, and they're, yeah. you know, a better songwriter, a better performance. But I think that, you know, you're equally talented in both, which is quite a rare thing oh, to have. That's why I'm coming on the show yeah. anytime just I'm in Melbourne. Just showering you with compliments. Yeah. Well, it's actually true. I'm not making oh, it up. You. I mean, I've been yeah. to, I don't even, I, haven't, I can't even count how many gigs and I've known your music for 13 years, yeah. which I, I did have to count the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, well, what brings your fans back is because your performances are so engaging and so um, unpretentious, so are just emotive and they, they're really um, yeah, affecting um, yeah. when you're there in a great way, in a very yeah. joyful way, um, in a beautiful way. There's, you know, a lot of, you bring um, people through kind of a real dynamic of, yeah. um, of yeah. emotions throughout the show and a lot of dancing and singing, yeah. I must say. Um, but how do you see, you know, the performance aspect of your career? Because that's really been pivotal in getting your music out there given that you have released your music independently. Yeah. Um, you know, what how have you developed your performance aspect and, and like how critical is it to you to and, and how do you perceive these gigs that you do? Like how, how does it make you feel and, and what what brings you joy from it? Yeah, well, this, I mean, especially with this new album because there are those songs that really I think I'm tr trying to talk about that, the human experience and I think some of the songs are quite, you know, they really connect emotionally with people and intellectually with people and um, and... And I've always had the like the rock out. That's you know that thing. That's never been a problem. But this thing of trying to take people on a journey and get to the end of the gig, and you know if they come on Saturday to the workers' club and, and feel like they've sort of had an experience or they've been, there's been a connection, you know, connection between myself and them, but also people in the room just thinking about these issues. Just you know, even just the thing with a rock and roll gig, you know, it's like connecting with people, going there with a beer. You know, you can stay at home and watch X Factor on TV, and that'd be a waste of time. Or you go to a gig, you have a beer. There's people in the room with you. You have this communal experience, and performance is just incredible like that. And it's something that's never going to go away because it's so special. But in terms of my own performance, I mean, I don't sing like Nathan Gaunt, or <laughs> I don't play guitar like him. And I think if I was a greater guitar player or a better singer, you know, I might not have been as good a performer because it's like the thing with musicians and performers is you you make up for things that you lack you know it's like if you, you make up for the things that you're not so good at with getting better at other things so I've just always wanted to try to have this x factor thing to my performance this other thing and I can't quite put my finger on what it is but just that sort of connection and um and I've had to learn how to do it because in live performance for me it's been survival you know when you're touring through Europe and you're going to I remember once we played in um, uh, we played in Belgium in this like tiny little pub, and you know there was like four people on stage, and there was four of us in the band, and we were like, well, if there's more people in the you know crowd than on 
the stage, you're doing all right, and one more person came. It's like, we've got five people, you know. And what you do in that situation is, you know, it's easy to get dejected and go, damn, there's only five people, but you, that's, you can't do that as a performer. You've got to go, I've got to do the best bloody show I ever could. You know, you've got to think of Springsteen, those guys. If he played to five people, he would put on the best show you've ever... He would, it'd be better than if he was playing to a stadium mm. because next time those people are going to talk and they come back and there's 20, so, you know, next time it's 50 and that's the way... I've done it my whole life and it's been it's been a hard way to do it. I would have loved to have been signed to a major. I would have loved to have had radio played, but I haven't had that. So this is the way I've done it. And, um, you know, I think it's finally starting to work. Well, it definitely <laughs> worked on Saturday because there was a woman who told me that uh, her friend in Holland said she had to go to this gig uh, for Karis Thompson, but she'd never heard of you and she lives in Australia. <laughs> so, <laughs> and she loved it, by the way. Um, but, you know, it's just you have that huge fan base in Germany, in Britain, um, across Europe, and you have toured in Europe a lot. Um, but you know, this it is true. Um, it, it probably has potentially developed you in a whole different way that you wouldn't have developed had you been signed. But if you think, do you think it, about it that way? Or yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I think um, you know, I have a fan base. It's a it's a cult fan base. It but is it's, very cult. Really loyal, you know, people. And often the way I get more people to my gigs, you know, like we promote and we do all this stuff. But often it's someone saying to their friend, "You got to come to this gig. You know, this would be cool." Or telling someone, "Come and see this and that thing." It's pretty amazing when that starts happening and, um, you know, I have amazing support from my fan base and, um, you know, people really, especially on this tour, people really get the trip I want to take them on, you know. When I ask them to be quiet, I don't have to ask them, they're just quiet, you know, except there's always a couple of drunks. Except, but yeah, <laughs> the two or three guys. They were like the biggest fans there. <laughs> they <day>. were. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, and... Um, I've, I've never, I mean, I've never, I never like going to a show and seeing a performer. It's just this flat, same thing from start to end. Like, to me, that's just boring. Like, I, I want to go on a journey and I want dynamics and I want different kinds of songs and I, I want to, and I also want it to rock out, you know? Yeah. Because that's an important part of a live show, I think, dancing. And um, so I've just always tried to incorporate all those things and, and I'm getting better and better at making it feel like a cohesive thing now. Yeah, well, that's a great segue because <laughs> uh, you can go and see Karis Thompson this Saturday. It's at his Melbourne launch of the album Island. Um, it's at the Workers Club in Fitzroy. It starts uh, at one thirty and it moves into 5. And uh, it's kid-friendly, Karis. Yeah, that's how you can tell um, I'm getting a bit older. A lot of my <laughs> fans, they uh, you know, a lot of them were... I mean, it's amazing how many weddings of been to or, or people have told me about that we met at one of your gigs you know and now I've got kids and um so it's uh it's going through a bit of a stage where everyone's got little kids so I, I mean I like the matinee show actually and um I really like it because of the energy I think the energy is different at a gig during the day um you know as a gig starts to get later people get more drunk and that's cool as an energy as well but there's like a pure energy that comes with the matinee show and um it really works for my stuff yeah it does yeah, bring, bring the kids some um, yeah they're free and um you know, uh, you might stand a chance of steering them away from reality television. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, there is one song on the album about that. I think it's uh, "Starved Myself Pretty." That one. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and you've got the band with you. Um, how, who have you got with you on Saturday? Uh, I've got uh, Jason McGann, who has played drums for me for my, my whole career, pretty much. He was in, in the original John Butler trio. So I know him, and a good friend of mine, Tom Fisher, who's actually uh, his. So, uh, Jim Fisher's son, who's a very famous West Australian 
musician he played on the last uh, the last bluegrass Paul Kelly record, and Tom's actually playing Tuesday night down at um, the Wesleyan, actually doing one of his own gigs. Um, and then I've got my uh, Mo Wilson, who was an original True Believer mm. on keys, and uh, Nathan Gorn on guitar. So I've got this like five piece band. You know, it's um it's killing it's me wonderful. financially, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and it's it's uh, this is the best band. You know, I've always had my solo thing and my band thing and the band thing's been like a dancey, rocking thing and the solo thing's where I sort of get more um, singer-songwriter and this is the first band where I feel like the whole thing is coming together and, you know, I just... I always used to sort of do a band tour and think, oh, I'm looking forward to a solo show and with this band, I'm like, I just want to play with this band. Yeah. You know, it's really big and it's it's um, it's got all the the instrumental parts that we can really get the emotion in the songs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, everyone, uh, please check it out. You can book online um, and it's at the Workers' Club in Fitzroy this Saturday, starting 1.30, Nathan Gaunt opening um, and Karis will be performing uh, his live set with his band and it's going to be amazing. Um, and you can check out his album Island on iTunes and all other uh, mediums in general. And yep. uh, there'll be CDs for sale there. So if you absolutely, want to get the hard yeah. copy, do... <laughs> Because I if think you're, that's if you're important. old school, yeah, like, yeah, like me. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll be closing out with uh, a song which is just beautiful. It's the last song on your album, "Gone But Not Forgotten." And you mentioned before uh, Mouse, who was a rough sleeper in Melbourne, who you had a brief, you know, meeting by chance with, um, and then heard about this story. Could you just give a, a little bit of an introduction as to what it meant to you? And yeah, well, if anyone's ever been, um, you know, you just walk south of Flinders Street. If you're going down to the aquarium, I used to always take my son to the aquarium, and um, you could see uh, this this guy Mouse. He'd set up a he had a little bit of a camp there, and that became a bit of a, a bit of a camp for um, for rough sleepers. I remember one day I was walking past, and he said he offered me a bong. He said, "Hey, mate, you want a bong?" I was like, oh, with my son going to the aquarium, but that's very, very <laughs> kind, very nice of you. Seemed like a really nice guy. And I mean, I didn't know his name was Mouse at that point. I just saw his someone sleeping rough, and um, and I'd really wanted to write about this issue of homelessness. And you know, we, everyone's telling them, Australia, the second richest country in the world, or whatever the hell that is, you know. And then at the same time, you look around and you're seeing more and more people sleeping rough, and you're going, "How does this happen when we're making all this money and wages are so high?" And uh, I used to do a bit of landscaping work, and I did used to do some um, stuff out at the um, at North Melbourne at the uh, at the Salvos um, drop-in centre there. And I, I saw this thing, twenty-one bucks a night. You know, it can cost you to get a bed there. And I had this idea about wanting to write this song. And then when Mouse uh, was murdered, uh, I think it's three years ago now. There was a lot of articles about him in the newspaper, and I read about it, and I was pretty touched by it. And then I was going down to the aquarium again with my son and, and I saw they'd set up a bit of a shrine to him, you know, where his camp was and and this this graffiti gone but not forgotten. And, um, and I went home and I wrote this song. station Where the poor lose their money a crown And 
kids queue for the aquarium They cut a good man down A few bonds by the river in the evening Stone ginger wine We had some good sunsets He was a friend of mine Forgotten us. You can get a room in North Melbourne if you got twenty one bucks. harassment and threatening drugs gone but not forgotten the words remember mouths gone but not forgotten forgotten Expressions of interest on the latest lifestyle high rise. But not forgotten by Karis Thompson, who is live in the studio. Thank you so much, Karis, for being very generous with your time and your music today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. It's been a pleasure um, and just beautiful to hear that acoustic version. So beautiful. Um, I, uh, I'll just reiterate, you can see Karis on Saturday at the Workers Club in Fitzroy and we'll tweet the details. It's on our Facebook too. And you've been listening to the Uncommon Sense podcast. I'm Amy Mullins, the host of this show on 3RRR. You can listen in every Tuesday in Melbourne at 9am till 12pm. And if you are elsewhere, you can listen online through the RRR website. 
hope to see you again next time.